Chapter Twenty Four of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter Twenty Four in which two young persons understand one another better perhaps than ever they did before without saying so and now the ladies with their gay plumage have flown away like foreign birds of passage and the jolly old priests of bacchus in the parlour make their libations of claret and the young fellows after a while seeing a gathering of painted fans and rustling hoops and fluttering laces upon the lawn and a large immigration of hilarious neighbors besides and two serious fiddlers and a black fellow with a tambourine preparing for action and the warm glitter of the western sun among the green foliage about the window could stand it no longer but stole away notwithstanding a hospitable remonstrance and a protest from old stafford to join the merry muster the young bucks will leave their claret said lord castle mallard and truly tis a rare fine wine colonel a mighty choice claret truly and the colonel bowed low and smiled a rugged purple smile in spite of himself for his claret was choice all won't do when venus beckons when she beckons ha <laughs> ha all won't do sir at the first flutter of a petticoat and the invitation of a pair of fine eyes fine eyes colonel by jupiter they're off you can't keep em i say your wine won't keep em they'll be off sir peeping under the hoods the dogs will and whispering their wicked nonsense dr walsingham ha ha and your wine i say your claret colonel won't hold em twas once so with us eh general ha <laughs> ha and we must forgive them now and he shoved round his chair lazily with a left backward wheel so as to command the window for he liked to see the girls dance the little rogues with his claret and his french rapee at his elbow and he did not hear general chatsworth who was talking of the new comedy called the clandestine marriage and how the prologue touches genteely on the loss of three late geniuses hogarth quinn and sibber and the epilogue is the picture of a polite company for the tambourine and the fiddles were going merrily and the lasses and lads in motion aunt becky and lilius were chatting just under those pollard osiers by the river she was always gentle with lily and somehow unlike the pugnacious aunt becky whose attack was so spirited and whose thrust so fierce and when lily told a diverting little story and she was often very diverting aunt becky used to watch her pleasant face with such a droll good-natured smile and she used to pat her on the cheek and look so glad to see her when they met and often as if she would say i admire you a great deal more and i am a great deal fonder of you than you think but you know brave stoical aunt becky can't say all that it would not be in character you know and the old lady knew how good she was to the poor and she liked her spirit and candour and honour it was so uncommon and somehow angelic she thought 
little lilies so true she used to say and perhaps there was there a noble chord of sympathy between the young girl who had no taste for battle and the daring aunt becky i think devereux liked her for liking lily he thought it was for her own sake of course he was often unexpectedly set upon and tomahawked by the impetuous lady but the gay captain put on his scalp again and gathered his limbs together and got up in high good humour and shook himself and smiled after his dismemberment like one of the old soldiers of the valhalla and they were never the worst of friends so turning his back upon the fiddles and tambourine gypsy devereux sauntered down to the river bank and to the osiers where the ladies are looking down the river and a bluebell not half so blue as her own deep eyes in lilia's fingers and the sound of their gay talk came mixed with the twitter and clear evening songs of the small birds by those same osiers that see so many things and tell no tales there will yet be a parting but its own sorrow suffices to the day and now it is a summer sunset and all around dapple golden azure and sweet dreamy sounds and lilius turns her pretty head and sees him and oh was it fancy or did he see just a little flushing of the colour on her cheek and her lashes seemed to drop a little and out came her frank little hand and devereux leaned on the paling there and chatted his best sense and nonsense i dare say and they laughed and talked about all sorts of things and he sang for them a queer little snatch of a ballad of an enamoured captain the course of whose true love ran not smooth the river ran between them and she looked upon the stream and the soldier looked upon her as a dreamer on a dream believe me oh believe he sighed you peerless maid my honour is pure and my true love sure like the white plume in my hat and my shining blade the river ran between them and she smiled upon the stream like one that smiles at folly a dreamer on a dream i do not trust your promise i will not be betrayed for your faith is light and your cold wit bright like the white plume in your hat and your shining blade the river ran between them and he rode beside the stream and he turned away and parted as a dreamer from his dream and his comrade brought his message from the field where he was laid just his name to repeat and to lay at her feet the white plume from his hat and his shining blade and he sang it in a tuneful and plaintive tenor that had power to make rude and ridiculous things pathetic and aunt rebecca thought he was altogether very agreeable but it was time she should see what miss gertrude was about and devereux and lily were such very old friends that she left them to their devices i like the river says he it has a soul miss lily and a character there are no river gods but nymphs look at that river miss lilius what a girlish spirit i wish she would reveal herself i could lose my heart to her i believe if indeed i could be in love with anything you know look at the river is not it feminine 
it's sad and it's merry musical and sparkling and ho oh, so deep always changing yet still the same twill show you the trees or the clouds or yourself or the stars and it's so clear and so dark and so sunny and so cold it tells everything and yet nothing it's so pure and so playful and so tuneful and so coy yet so mysterious and fatal i sometimes think miss lilius i've seen this river spirit and she's like very like you and so he went on and she was more silent and more a listener than usual i don't know all that was passing in pretty lilia's fancy in her heart near the hum of the waters and the spell of that musical voice love speaks in allegories and a language of signs looks and tones tell his tale most truly so devereux's talk held her for a while in a sort of trance melancholy and delightful there must be of course the affinity the rapport the what you please to call it to begin with it matters not how faint and slender and then the spell steals on and grows see how the poor little woodbine or the jasmine or the vine will lean towards the rugged elm appointed by virgil in his epic of husbandry i mean no pun for their natural support the elm you know it hath been said is the gentleman of the forest see all the little tendrils turn this way silently and cling and long years after maybe clothe the broken and blighted tree with a fragrance and beauty not its own those feeble feminine plants are it sometimes seems to me the strength and perfection of creation strength perfected in weakness the ivy green among the snows of winter and clasping together in its true embrace the loveless ruin and the vine that maketh glad the heart of man amidst the miseries of life i must not be mistaken though for devereux's talk was only a tender sort of trifling and lilius had said nothing to encourage him to risk more but she now felt sure that devereux liked her that indeed he took a deep interest in her and somehow she was happy and little lily drew towards the dancers and devereux by her side not to join in the frolic it was much pleasanter talking but the merry thrum and jingle of the tambourine and vivacious squeak of the fiddles and the incessant laughter and prattle of the gay company were a sort of protection and perhaps she fancied that within that pleasant and bustling circle the discourse which was to her so charming might be longer maintained it was music heard in a dream strange and sweet and might never come again end of chapter 24 recording by john brandon